0: Hi everyone and welcome to Culture Tasters, your weekly sample of today's creative industries. Each of our episodes is focused on a specific industry like film, visual arts, fashion, music, culinary, and even performing arts. My name is Raquel Sarabernig, joined by my co-host Alfredo Achar. We will be guiding you through changes and shifts that are affecting these industries and interview the stakeholders and key players making those changes happen. On today's episode, we will be talking about Latin American influences in the film industry, as well as a growing Latin American media consumer audience with Jesus Hernandez, founder of Latin Real. Okay, so we're we're turning to English. We're all Latin Americans here in this crew today. We're so excited to welcome Jesus Hernandez, founder of Latin Real, expert, genius in cinema. Uh, we're really honored to have you. You and I have been friends for a while and um, I'm just really grateful for you taking the time to be with us today at Culture Tasters. So I guess we can start, you know, with the beginning, who you are, what you do? Tell us a little bit more about Latin Real uh, and also where you come from.
1: Well, thank you both for having me today here. It's been a due pleasure to have this conversation. Uh, and I'm really, really excited to be talking with you and having the audience also listening to what we're gonna be talking today about. Um, well, I'm I'm from Cuba originally. I moved here seven years ago to the US. Um, I started film in Cuba, it's a directing and live took me to production in a sort of album mode kind of way. I, been working in film for the past 10, 11 years now as a producer in Cuba, in the U.S., and also uh, internationally with really renowned directors, Americans, Germans, Italians. But um, I landed in New York seven years ago to work uh, at the Museum of Modern Art. I was hired to coordinate a, a documentary film festival they have, and the assistant curator and the director of the festival at that time offered me the job and I didn't think it twice. I was living in Miami at the moment. I, I was working in TV actually. I was producing a TV show that was going out live every day about Cuba. So when I got the opportunity to move to New York, work in the film department at the museum, I just packed my luggage and moved to New York without blinking. Thanks to the museum and to Sally Berger, I have to say like the, the doors of New York opened for me. I've been lucky enough to be able to work in film since I moved to the city. Um, And from uh, working in MoMA, I began to work also at a really special film festival, that's the Nantucket Film Festival. Um, And I worked with a really dedicated team at the island of Nantucket, which is a dream job in the summer. Um, And then right after that, I began to freelance a lot. It was kind of the time that Obama was starting their relations with Cuba So Cuba was a trending topic and a lot of US filmmakers have done films in the island. So I was blessed to find and be able to work with many of those filmmakers working mostly documentaries in Cuba and to work with them to target Cuban American audiences and Latino audiences in New York and the US until I landed um, a job in production, which has been a tremendous blessing. That job was with Eugene Jarecki. He's a really well-known documentary director in the U.S. He's a think tank. He's a creative, tremendous energy force in the industry. And he was actually editing a short film he did for The New Yorker magazine in Cuba. So they needed a Cuban producer in the press production part of that short. And they hired me for a few days. That gig ended up being 10 days of work. And the beginning of a new feature documentary, which is a film called The King. The film about Elvis Presley in America that premiered in Cannes Film Festival for the documentary competition when Cannes just opened the documentary competition in 2017. And it had the US premiere in Sundance. So I was working with Eugene for a little bit over two years until one day I decided to quit my full-time job, leave all my benefits and start a really new, adventure, uh, which is Latin Real. And that's where I am at the moment with Latin Real. I founded Latin Real because I kept finding myself alone in many of the rooms I was working, although I knew there were, I mean, I was the only Latino working in the film department in MoMA, in Nantucket with Eugene, and in many other, other spaces that I've worked before, but I knew there were a lot of other capable people out in the industry, and sadly, we're really disconnected and isolated, and we're all in our bubbles, and in the speed of New York or LA, or like it's it's really hard to connect, um, and I I found like there was a timing and an opportunity to create uh, an initiative that could bring us together to talk about the topics and the issues we have in common and t- to create new opportunities for us as well.
2: That's amazing. Talk a little bit about uh, Latin Real as an initiative and, and the social justice component. Yeah, basically, what's what was your goal from the beginning? Uh, you mentioned that it was like this initiative to bring Latin people together. But can you talk a little bit more about the the social justice and social impact, impact component and the breaking down stereotypes and all of that? That's a very important component of Latin Real.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, New York is a really multicultural, multi-ethnic and thriving city in a way, and in a tremendous way. But at the same time, it's also a very segregated city, I find, Um, and Latinos, we are part of that community, of those communities, but we also, our communities are also really segregated as well. So we have a lot of internal, issues we need to address within our community. And I kept finding, like, although there were, like, many Latino film festivals in New York, they were really not interconnected in any way and catering to each and their own communities and, like, poking more into the differences than what bring us together. After I was seeing that, in a way, within ourselves, but also finding that in the spaces I was working professionally, like, I felt the need, I felt compelled to kind of Create something different that was not existent to like address all of those issues. At the same time, we were also bringing up those uncomfortable dialogues, I call them, and like create opportunities and new ways to not only generate and bring more Latinos to the industry, which is really scarce and really hard, but also like to create a better city and a better country, uh, which is the one we're living on. So, I was lucky enough to have a private foundation in New York believing in us and what we wanted to do. And they gave us an initial grant to kick out Latin Real. And I had to dedicate myself like full time to it. So that's why, although I was in a great position and the moment like working in production, I decided to quit my job and all my benefits and got my salary in three times and like get pennies to do this. Um, and that's what I've been doing for the past three years. It's been challenging. It's been also really fulfilling to see that impact happening little by little. Like we've been doing events year round for the past three years in person at first, and then virtually creating Mm -hmm. partnerships with different venues and community centers, universities, even film festivals across the city and all the boroughs. And it's really amazing to see like all those sold out, full events of people like, they're not even filmmakers, like they're perhaps not even Latinos, but they feel connected to come and watch movies that sometimes do not come across do not not make it to New York, but they do communicate and bring us a message like to spark all those conversations we need to address about race and equity and discrimination, gentrification and gender issues and many more. So it's been, as I said, challenging because in every one of those partnerships and events we've been doing, Like we have been finding like, not only we need to address all the issues we have in our communities, but negotiate with all the partners we've been working with without compromising our values and our mission. Um, And at the same time, support financially and exponentially all the filmmakers and films we're working. And that's been tough. but has been also a great way to open new doors and create, as I said, opportunities for new films and filmmakers and those voices as well. Mm -hmm.
2: That's, that's, that's amazing. And I, I like really, really, really applaud you for doing this initiative and bringing Latin people together, because that's not, that's not something that you hear very often in the industry. Uh, There's like a ton of initiatives for like African-American people, every, every other group, but for Latin people, there's, there's like not enough. And that's a reality. So, so that's really, really amazing. Just, I, I want to ask you something really quick first, now that you mentioned that you also like support in like financing and, and uh, projects. Can you talk a little bit about um, that part of Latin Real and how do you like choose projects that you want to like support or invest in? How How is that process like? I mean, to me, it's really
1: important to find, as I mentioned, like those very unique, uh, filmmakers and voices that sadly they're not mainstream they don't come they don't have perhaps even vision or representation or mm. it might be their first film yeah. but the message that they want to come across and they want to bring us like it's it really strike us and they really bring us And let us think in and especially give us the opportunity to spark those conversations so i really pay attention to that at first because that's what it's gonna give us the opportunity and the space to discuss and to convey those messages across the board and bringing people together with different perspectives because we all mm, do not see the world in the same way but at the same time we kind of can come to a common ground and find and talk about it, and like, and and change um, the work we live in, and and to discuss. It's a really exhausting work because it's a lot of research and networking to kind of like to bring, uh, and sometimes negotiations as well because there is money involved. Some mm-hmm. some of those films do not have distribution, some of them some of them do. So, and it's, and those conversations are different if they have a representation or not, or if it's your first movie, or if it's a premiere, or if it's a, if they have a distribution company behind it. So, but we've been tremendously lucky to get like a lot of great opportunities, but also like, because in all of those conversations for us, it has been at the forefront. Like we do need to support financially those films and that's something that in the u.s is really scarce like we do not find not only latinos but almost no independent filmmaker in this country is financially supported by yeah. any film festival and that's like even major film festivals do not support filmmakers and yeah, they do not, not pay the and like and sadly independent filmmakers are in many times seen still in this country as if they're doing a hobby like and, like, they do not work in film. They do have to get like other survival jobs to support their lives and their careers. And it's most of the times those movies are an actual love. So we have to really support that and like give them not only the platform and the opportunity, but also like to make sure like they come first and those films come first. And uh, that's something that has been really important to us since the very beginning. And we're really transparent with that, so I think that's has been like one of the things that gave us a lot of, I said, good luck.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's that's super valuable, I think, because now that the now that uh, representation and diversity are considered like king in create in content creation and and new stories, it's very important to I feel like define the line between doing like supporting stories that have uh, characters and and, and diverse experiences just for the sake of having them because it's something that is now considered quote-unquote like required in a story and identifying those that are actually like what you're talking about like genuine out of love stories that matter and stories that actually are going to move forward the conversation around representation I feel like you were going to say something Raquel
0: It was around that. Um, you, you you mentioned having difficult conversations through film, at least fostering the difficult conversations that people otherwise would not have yeah. if it wasn't for a platform like this. Can you tell us what are some of those difficult conversations that you've had? With your audience and with the spectators of the films that you bring, I know that every time that you show a film or you host a director or a group of filmmakers, you have a almost like a Q and A or dialogue after the film. From your experience, what have been those difficult conversations you know, with the audiences?
1: Pretty much in all the in-person events you've had since the beginning, like it's been really, really present. Like people really into the moment and having the opportunity to have those conversations with the filmmakers and only about how they crafted the film or how they decided to do a shoot or edit it that way or find an actor. Like it's, it gets more into that social aspect of the movie many, yeah. many times and um, and it goes deep into how this or such situation is happening. Like for instance, I, I always remember the first event we did in partnership with Newfest. And it, it was about a Brazilian film that's called Socrates. And um, and it was telling a story about this young boy out in the favelas in Brazil. He was a teenager coming out of the closet, like in a really rough environment and how he dealt with that part of his life at the moment uh, when he's, the communication with his parents was not the best and he was being homeless and like at some time and it was a really tough moment for me just after the film even began, like, having people, I remember being out of the theater, and having people coming up, like, in tears, like, even before the Q&A, like, people crying out, telling me stories, like, similar stories, like, oh, I know a person that went to the same no. thing, like, I know someone who's going in New York to the same thing, and it's not even in Brazil, like, it's here, and he's my neighbor, and, like, And that really was really really hard for me because I mean it's a film that it was made with twenty thousand dollars. It was like a really low budget movie, but you can see how strong the movie was and is because you can you can watch it online. So that it connected with the audience tremendously. Like one of the longest Q and As we have had uh, with the filmmakers and the producers present, and and people were talking about the issues in Brazil, but also what's happening with all the homelessness and the youth and the queer youth in New York, which is. It's a huge, big deal that nobody is really addressing.
0: In the topic of Latin cinema, right, which I think is something that maybe not a lot of people think about. And I think Latin America is such a big mecca for cinema. And it has been for years and years. I, I mean, I'm from Colombia. Alfredo's from Mexico. You're from Cuba. And I think those three countries and all the countries in Latin America have their own cinema a scenes almost how do you think the latin cinema industry differs from uh, the independent filmmaking in the united states Uh, and you can talk about in terms of anything from representation to funding
1: i think they convey and they come together in topics wise I think our region, it's tremendously diverse, as this country is. But the way film is being studied in the U.S. is completely different than film is being studied in Latin America and Europe. So when people learn to make movies at school, or not, because many great filmmakers didn't even go to school, to film school, it's it's way different. But also the way films are being funded in the U.S., compared to the region, it's really, really different. Like most of the US funding it's private and it goes from private or corporate sources. Yeah. Um or it could be even crowdfunded or friends or so it's like it's really different. Whereas in the region in the in Latin America, like it has a lot of some countries have state funding behind and support from the governments. And that's getting now with COVID is getting worse and worse. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the region is deeply affected, but some countries are still keep those incentives and benefits. So those movies are able to at least find more space. It's really rare that US films, indie films, like do find or make any co-productions, let's say. Like it's it's hard to find like a pool of producers coming together unless they're all U.S.-based. If they have a foreign interest, it's because they have a sales done in Europe or really in Latin America, unless they have another interest behind it. But Latin American films are not made just solely in our countries. Like, we have to find support out of the country. And that happens thanks to the support of many, many European film festivals, like Berlin, like Amsterdam, like, you know, like Cannes. And also because some of those countries have a strong... Like Colombia, for instance, has a strong and Chile, strong presence and even Mexico in certain markets in Europe. And they're able to get the attention of like capital from abroad. It's really, really different the way film is being made in the in Latin America and in the US. There has always been attention, specifically in the last 15, 7 years, more and more for Latin American cinema in the US. But in in recent years, it's been increasing because people have realized that they can make money out of it. So it's So that's why those corporations and companies are paying even more special attention. Also, because Latinos in the U.S. are, if not the highest, one of the highest populations, they're moviegoers. I think 28% of the ticket sales are sold in this country are bought by Latinos. Sadly, corporations or networks and distribution companies do not produce enough Latino content in the U.S. Um, And that's changing slowly. Having like Netflix and HBO Max and Hulu and everybody opening offices and Latin America and Mexico and Colombia uh, but even in Europe but um, it's still like a lot of work to do
2: do you think Latin American content should be produced by Latin American countries themselves like for example like Netflix in Mexico or in Colombia or Cuba creating like the content there I'm asking because the in the heights the the movie that came out uh, like last month the musical it was very like criticized for people saying like oh this does not represent latin american culture and all that how do you how do you see that the the us representation of latin american culture and the content produced like in the countries
1: yeah i mean first of all sadly i keep finding that latinos that have immigrated to the us many times have more access and opportunities that US Latinos, US born Latinos, and that come across also as a result in that representation on the screen. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. find as many US filmmakers born in the US working in Hollywood, for instance, than you will find perhaps Latino actresses or Peru that have been coming from Mexico, Colombia, because they break through because they got a great award in a major film festival and they got representation and they got a contract. There is a lot of work to do to close that gap between US Latinos and Latin Americans living in the US. I don't think that a Latin American movie or a Latino movie needs to be done by a Latino filmmaker. Like there are Latin American films and Latino films are done by a Swedish guy. Yeah. or an Norwegian guy. Can they not make the film if they get it right? It's yeah. often true that suddenly people tend to assert type a lot of our cultures and a lot of the films that come out that have the resources are those stereotypical versions of our countries and our cultures and our stories. But the art ones are true. Like they're true yeah. and, and they come across right. So it's a really thin line, but we need to pay attention more about the movies and the values and like and what what's behind it that who's making the movie like which yeah. is important too but uh, like I, I think
2: I both agree. Are important yeah I agree I something that just came up to my mind really quick this uh Chilean director uh Sebastian Lelio who won um uh, for Una Mujer Fantastica he did this movie called Disobedience, which was about like this um lesbian Jewish orthodox uh story and he he's he's Latin American he's not Jewish he's definitely not not like orthodox uh and he got he got it perfectly right and he had a great team behind him and so that's definitely possible to get it right
1: yeah and sebastian for instance is a filmmaker that has done his career between chile the u.s and germany i think mm-hmm. he's currently now living in, in germany so is he not a latin american filmmaker yes he is
0: At the same time, do you think content being produced in Latin America for the American market is being adjusted for an American market?
1: I think that sadly the gatekeepers and the decision makers who have the money control the production in the end, and they will decide what's being made. So it's up to us as filmmakers if we want to give our soul to the devil or stay true to what we want to do. Those corporations, are go- they have their own interests and they're gonna keep producing whatever they think is gonna make money or whatever the interests are behind. And those could be many. So the market is changing right now. It's, it's, a, warp, it's a streamer's worth right now. And many of those corporations are fighting for the market because they have realized that, oh, there is money to be made thanks to the Latinos that are growing up as a population in the U.S. I mean, and they're gonna keep feeding us and brainwashing us, but also many great movies might be coming out of that too.
2: Yeah, completely agree. And and yeah, I think that's great segue to kind of like start concluding. And, and we just wanted to like to ask you, how can people support Latin Real? Where can people find you, find Latin Real, learn more about it? If you have any recommendations.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were doing events in person for almost two years in the city and then COVID hit. And we shifted gears and began to do events virtually, mostly partnerships with film festivals and nonprofits in New York that have been deeply affected by COVID. Um, and they have to forload all their staff and, and their teams. And, and But they were also trying to bring more and to convey Latinx and Latino content. And so we were amplifying those films to give them a bigger platform, because suddenly they did not get press, they did not get marketing, um, they did not get any distribution. So we were trying to amplify that so more people could watch them. We were doing that throughout all last year. And we've been holding up this year because of COVID, like a lot on to do anything. New York is not yet fully open for film and moviegoers, although. Theaters are open, and that has changed. We're now hoping to launch virtually again by the fall, which is when everything kicks in in New York. And we're going to do it virtually because the Delta version is still like giving us headaches in New York. So that's going to be happening virtually. And that's going to give us the opportunity to also reach all the audiences that are not necessarily in the city, yeah. but in the U.S., so follow us in latinreal.com and stay tuned to our mailing list because we have a lot of great things coming up by the end of september a lot of other sections that we wanted to kick on and have been on hold and now we're hoping to have them on
2: sign up
0: amazing jesus thank you so much for joining us today wait
2: wait where can people find you if you have if you want to give out your your oh you do you want to give out your
1: personal instagram or i would say people can find me on LinkedIn. Like I think being extremely resourceful with LinkedIn lately, it's an extremely underused uh, tool outside of the U.S. In the past year or so, it's been amazing to be networking and connecting with people that do the same. So you can find me on LinkedIn as Jesus Miguel Hernandez, or you can find us also through Latin Real. And we have a page over there. And I think that's the best way to get connected and to stay tuned, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a great resource. And lastly, do you have any book, movie, show recommendation or something that you want to recommend?
1: I'm watching like a lot of stuff right now. I was just invited to be on the jury of a short film festival in Washington. So I'm watching a lot of shorts at the moment. I was watching screens for New Fest, but I cannot really talk much about any of those yet. I'm watching a show that's not Latina right now, but I love it. It's called Shameless um, oh. and, and it's been on, it's a great script, great acting. It's it's an amaz- amazing series that I just discovered.
2: Are you watching the US version? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's great. I just finished it because it just ended for good. I finished it like two weeks.
0: No way! That's I need it. to start watching it then. Amazing. Well, Jesus, thank you so so much for joining us. It's truly been amazing. I can only hope that we can continue the conversation, hopefully in person very soon. I need to take you out for drinks. Let's <laughs> do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you both for having me. It's been this has been great. Yeah.
2: Yeah, of course. Thank you for for joining us. Thank you so much for tuning into Culture Tasters. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and to follow us on Instagram at Culture Tasters. This podcast is produced by Raquel Sarabonik and me, Alfred Achar. We thank you for your support and see you next time.